Alrighty. So, um, a special welcome to our U6s who are here for their very first full night of Restore. Um, I know that you guys, as Sam have said, are going to be loving and respectful, so it would be really nice for you to reach out and say hi to them, make them feel welcome. That would be really good. Um, so for our U6s, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes, a few more, more than a couple, 15, 20 minutes unpacking this passage. And then after that, we're going to break down into our huddle groups that we had at the beginning of the night and get into the passage a bit more. So that's a chance for you guys to ask your leaders any questions. If you want to get into the passage a bit more, um, that's the place for that. Now, normally at Restore, we want to teach you how to follow Jesus, how to find joy in him, how to know him more, how to love him more. And don't worry, we're going to do that tonight. Don't freak out. But we're going to take a different approach tonight. Today's talk is called How Not to Follow Jesus. Because we're going to see three examples, three short passages of situations where people don't follow Jesus well or they make a really poor choice, and then hopefully that might challenge us to follow Jesus in the right way. So if you haven't been with us, we are going through the book of Matthew, the first gospel, and last week we finished up Jesus' really big sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Now they've come down from the Mount, and Jesus has been healing people and casting demons out of people, and so lots of crowds are starting to gather. And that brings us today to our passage, starting from Matthew 8, verse 18. So, our first way to not follow Jesus is to only follow him when it's comfortable. So, Jesus had been healing all these people, and the crowds started to gather, and so the disciples and him decided to row a boat to the other side of the lake. But before they get there, a teacher of the law comes up to them and says in verse 19, hopefully we'll see it on the slide, This teacher of the law says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, we don't know a lot about this teacher. We know that they um, were probably a respectable person. They were probably an expert in the Old Testament in the Bible. And so this teacher says that he wants to follow Jesus. So you'd think that Jesus' response would be, Absolutely, come along. But he says something a bit different instead. Can you see that? Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Bit strange, isn't it? So what does it mean? Well, Jesus is saying that foxes have dens. They have a home to go to, a place to live. And birds have nests, a place to retreat to, a place to make their own, a home. But the Son of Man, that's Jesus, has no place to lay his head. During his ministry, Jesus didn't have a permanent home, a permanent place to stay. He didn't rent, he didn't buy a house, he didn't have a mortgage. Just think about that. Jesus, God, who lived in heaven and has absolute power, absolute authority, was technically homeless during the ministry in his later part of life. Jesus was willing to sacrifice his own comfort for us. He sacrificed his position in heaven. He gave up respect. He gave up importance to come here to us. And what happened? People mocked him. They beat him. They nailed him to a cross. And he came here to rescue us, rescue us from our brokenness and give us new life. So what Jesus is saying here to this teacher of the law, that following him doesn't mean that all the crowds are going to follow you. 
because that's probably what the teacher of the law wanted. Jesus is saying, you're not going to be famous following me. You're not going to have a luxurious life. You're going to have to rely on other people. Following Jesus is not five-star hotels. It's not lots of respect and lots of power. It means sacrifice. And so Jesus' mission strategy here is kind of interesting. I was thinking about it during the week and trying to like come up with an illustration. So just imagine like, like one night after youth group, one of you guys comes up to me and says, Mickey, I want to follow Jesus. And I said, really? I don't know. Have you thought about it? It would kind of be a bit strange, wouldn't it? So Jesus gives this cryptic advice to this teacher because he wants the teacher to consider the cost. Consider the cost before committing. Because Jesus wants wholehearted disciples. He wants committed people. He wants sincere people. He wants people who are going to go all in and follow him. And your leaders are great examples of that. They give up their time, their comforts, their energy, all their money to lead on your camps because they love you guys and they want to be a part of Jesus' mission. Now, does this passage mean that every Christian should sell their house and be homeless? No, of course not. We have many examples in the Bible where people use their houses for ministry and to be generous to others. But it does mean that every Christian should be willing to sacrifice for others, to give up comforts, to give up luxuries, to give up safety and their plans, if that's what Jesus calls them to do. So what could be some examples for you guys? Well, maybe you could give up your comfort and choose to sit with someone who doesn't have a lot of friends at youth group. Maybe you could give up an extra snack on the way down from Coles and help give that to our compassion child. Maybe it means you choose not to work on Friday nights or Sundays so you can come to youth group and church. Maybe it means you go to the Christian lunchtime group at your school or go to the Christian SRE class, even if your friends pick on you. Sadly, we don't hear much more about this teacher, so it means that he probably didn't follow Jesus because he only wanted to follow Jesus when it was comfortable. So let's learn from that and let's be willing to follow Jesus when it's uncomfortable. So our second way to not follow Jesus, that's why there's a big red circle through it, is to give excuses why you can't. Don't do that. Now we're going to get another disciple. We don't know who they are, but they come up in the next verse and say to Jesus, Lord, first let me bury my own father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. That seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? Now we don't really or entirely know what this disciple was saying, because there was this old saying in Bible times that to bury your father meant to look after them in their old age. And so this disciple might have been actually asking for years to stay at home. That's the first option. The second option is that this disciple's father might have recently passed away. But for some reason, Jesus is calling him to follow him right now. Uh, Jesus has a little play on words as well. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. And so what Jesus means is let the spiritually dead, those who don't know Jesus, bury the physically dead. So Jesus is asking this disciple at this moment, at a very important time in Jesus' own ministry, to put him first, to put Jesus first before his family obligations. That's a pretty radical claim. 
Now, does that mean that Christians everywhere, and you guys, if you're a Christian, should not look after your elderly parents? No. Jesus actually rebukes people, rebukes Christians later on, when they don't look after their elderly parents. But in this case, for this disciple, at this time, it was an issue of priorities. Jesus doesn't want excuses. He wants people who are committed, sincere followers. So let me ask you guys, let me ask people in this room, think in your own heart now, what excuses are you making in your life to not follow Jesus as best you can? Maybe for some of you, and this was me for a large portion of my life, it's study, it's school, it's exams. Maybe there's just so much of that, you have no time left for Jesus. Maybe for some of you, it's family. Maybe there are certain family obligations that you feel that you have to do more than youth group. Maybe for some of you, you just can't be bothered. Can't be bothered coming to youth, reading the Bible, praying or worshipping. Sadly, we don't hear anything more about this disciple, and so it's likely that he didn't follow Jesus either. So learn from his mistake, and don't make excuses about why you don't have time or something to follow Jesus, and follow him. So we're nearly done. Our third way you shouldn't follow Jesus is to freak out and not trust him in hard times. You're probably more familiar with this final story. As the disciples try to row the boat to the other side of the lake, a massive storm comes up. And remember, a lot of the disciples were fishermen, so they were pretty familiar with being out on the water. So this must have been an unusually big storm. So the disciples just start absolutely freaking out. And I mean like next level freaking out. If you guys have ever been on a plane with me in turbulence, it's that kind of thing. Like, I'm going to die. Like, literally, that's what I'm like. So that's what the disciples are doing. They're running around saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And what's Jesus doing? He's napping in the back of the boat, fast asleep. And so the disciples wake him up. They're saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus gets up. He says to the disciples, you guys have little faith. And then he miraculously tells the wind and the waves to be still. And they were. The disciples, I love their reaction. They were amazed at this, even though they'd just seen him heal people, even though Jesus had just cast out demons. So what can we learn from them? Well, don't be like the disciples, guys, and freak out and not trust Jesus in a crisis. You see, the disciples had big fears and little faith. They thought the storm was more powerful than Jesus was. They forgot that Jesus was God. They forgot who was with them. I love how one Christian writer wrote it. They said, God is in the dinghy with them. God is with the dinghy with them. So for you guys, when you're in a crisis, when you're in hard times, when you're in chaos, don't freak out. Your situation might surprise you, but it doesn't surprise Jesus. You may think that whatever you're going through is so completely going to ruin your life. But know that Jesus is more powerful than that. And he is in control of whatever you're facing. Remember what um, Jesus said to the disciples? He said, why are you so afraid? It's a rhetorical question. It's like he's saying, I'm God. I'm here. I'm powerful. I have power over the storm, over diseases, and even over death itself. 
So we've learned how not to follow Jesus. To sum up, how should we follow Jesus? We should follow him even when it's uncomfortable and costs us something, time, money, energy, popularity. Number two, we should make him a priority in our lives and not give excuses why we can't. And number three, we should trust him and his power and turn to him when we are in a crisis because we know that Jesus is the ruler of the world. I'll pray that we do that. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus into this world and he gave up so much for us, gave up his position in heaven, his authority, his respect, Lord. And we just pray that you would help us and challenge us right now to also be willing to give up those things for others. Help us to give up our time, our energy, our popularity, our comforts to love others just as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.